episode 40 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I am Michael Merlo. John Michael Masiri is with me. Wow, do we have a lot to do. But JM, how are you today? I'm doing great. Let's go. You pick out your Halloween costume yet? Because I've been looking and I, yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. Dude, t- time's ticking. We got like less than two weeks. What do you mean Halloween costume? Because, you know, I always, every year I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a really good costume. And like, I had a pretty good one last year, but like, I don't want to, I hate slacking on Halloween. I hate like. What were oh, you for Halloween last year? I was Post Malone. I had like the fake tattoos. Oh, I was, right. I was, was all good. in. But that then you got good. those, you got those years where you have like the, the you, oh, don't be that guy who wears a, a football jersey. You're like, oh, I'm Saquon Barkley. You're not Saquon Barkley. You're a 300 pound white guy who, you know. Thinks you're Saquon Barkley. Oh, so me last year when I was delivering pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, me. <laughs> That's what I do. No, last year I wore Victor Cruz. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I see the resemblance between you two. That's a good that's a good I, I, I look like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He dead ringer. Yeah, no, but I'm you know, no, no Halloween costume. Oh, okay, good. That's very uh, festive of you. You know, Halloween's a great holiday. I actually hate Halloween. How do you hate Halloween? Like because it falls like like I'm sitting here getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you got this BS. You're gonna holiday. get. You don't have to get ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm Thanksgiving my Christmas. Yeah, no, you have to get ready for Christmas. That I, I agree do. with that. Thanksgiving, you just there's no Thanksgiving music. There's no Christmas. There's no presents under the tree. You just wake up and eat turkey. I mean, it's basically Christmas at this point. I mean, if oh you're not God. listening to Christmas music, you're lost. Mm, a little early. You saw but... me. You saw me last week. Yeah. Right? No, I'm all about the Christmas spirit, but it'll, a little bit early. Let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. When is it appropriate? I mean, I like to wait after Thanksgiving at least. No, you can't go that late. It's, all right, at least go after Halloween. November. Like, like November, it's full-blown. Like, it's cold outside. You're feeling it. Okay. You want to talk right, Are we going to talk about sports today? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk some sports. Let's talk in what I think is the most watched game of the day yesterday because – God knows nobody was watching Geno Smith and the Steelers. If you were, I'm very sorry. Uh, um, the most watched game of the day yesterday was the Cowboys and the Patriots, which ended in dramatic fashion. Um, interesting spread, right? I, I was I was intrigued by the yeah. spread. I took the bait and took the Patriots. And I, I kind of feel, I heard this today, I, I feel like I was right taking them because it was a close game. It did go into overtime. The Cowboys should have won by a couple of points. They didn't. They got the two-point conversion. They got overtime. They beat them on the big CD Lamb play from Dak Prescott. It was like 40-yard touchdown, the yeah. play action. He rolls out to the right. He's got CD wide open. And Dak actually hurts his calf on that play. Is Trayvon uh, Diggs – I mean, Trayvon Diggs. I'm sorry. I was looking at his stats. Um, What's the spread? What was it, three and a half or five and a half? It was three and a half. It was three and a half. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I picked the Cowboys, but – I mean, I, Vegas was right. I thought that line was too small, actually. I thought Dallas was going to win by at least a touchdown. Well, Vegas is never wrong. So, um, yeah. But uh, Dak Prescott gets hurt on that play. On the last play, he hurt his calf. They're saying he's fine, all early indications that he's good. But um, it was an interesting game, to say the least. I mean, they made a ton of mistakes, a lot of penalties. And listen, really good teams go on the road against good defenses, make mistakes, and still win games. And that's what the Cowboys are. Yeah, you're right. Um, first, I want to actually touch on the Patriots because I was impressed by Mac Jones yesterday. You know, he didn't do anything super special, anything crazy. But 
his uh he basically played to his scouting report is what I would say he he didn't make the crazy plays but he did the accuracy was there and he he was getting a little bit of bad luck where his receivers weren't making the plays for him Nelson Aguilar made a bad drop to, uh, late in the game like we haven't seen that before for out of Nelson Aguilar um but yeah you're right uh sloppy game out of the Cowboys and the Patriots played pretty well I think this is basically what the Patriots are you know I think they're a, a team that that lost some pieces and they're, they're, you know, they have the young quarterback. They're kind of trying to uh, retool, I guess, at this point. Um, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team and it doesn't look like they're going to be a playoff team, but we're still early in the season. Um, But yeah, switching over to the Cowboys side, Dak Prescott continues to impress me week after week. I mean, I picked this guy to win the MVP before the season started and he looks like an MVP every time he goes out there. I mean, he looks so poised out there and the offensive line hasn't played, you know, the way they have maybe in years past for Dak They're, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been the way uh, they usually are. And, you know, he's, he's still, he takes the hits. He, he scrambles, he, he throws under pressure and it's, it's just a fun offense to watch. Yes. Um, they, they're better run blocking so far this season. Yeah. They are getting Lyle Collins back. He was just reinstated today. So he'll be back next week, but you know, people talk about this Dallas defense not being good enough. And, you know, I think it was evident last year. They, they were historically one of the worst defenses ever. And mm. they almost made the playoffs. They ended up being competitive at the end of the year, even with losing Dak. And this is a better defense. They have Dan Quinn. Um, Trayvon Diggs has been, you know, a lot of people are hating on him. Listen, he's been good. He's very athletic. He's uh, I've heard a lot of hate, especially today, that he gives up a lot of yards. The stats I'm seeing – low completion percentage against him, low passer rating against him, passes defended, and the interceptions. The stats I'm looking at, I'm not looking at the yards against him. I'm looking at those. He he looks like he's been a very good corner so far this year. Uh, but the defense has impressed me because they're playing better than I expected. Randy Gregory looks good. Yeah. He he, he looks like he's been pretty good. And I'm he's I'm a guy who's had a that. very up and down career. I've been surprised by how good he's been. They're going to get Dexter Lawrence back in a month. I mean, they're setting – listen, they're not a great – Demarcus defense. Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence. What did I say? Dexter. Oh, sexy Dexter. Yeah. Um, they're going to get him back. And the, the impressive part about this team is that they have such a good offensive line. They control the game. They run the ball. They do whatever they want. And obviously, you know, their pass are so balanced. They're going to control the time of possession – and the defense just has to be opportunistic. They just have to make plays and, and, and create some turnovers, and they're going to be in every single game because of how good that offense is. I think they're the sixth best team in all football right now. Right. And you said it. You're uh, This team, you know, they don't really have a weakness. They can they can run the ball down your throat. They can throw it all over the field. That offense is down pat. And like you were just talking about the defense, you know, this team was – atrocious defensively last year and you know I think a lot of that has to go to Trayvon Diggs and to Micah Parsons guys who have stepped up big for them and I think another big part of that goes to the defensive coordinator Dan Quinn I mean a guy who was in Seattle as a defensive coordinator then came over to Atlanta to be the head coach went to a Super Bowl with them and then had a a bad couple years which led to his firing but looked at as a great defensive coordinator and I think he's proving that well this year um, and, you know, they don't need this defense to be a top 10 defense if they want to go far. They need it to be maybe middle of the pack, and they'll be fine because of how dynamic this offense is. I mean, they're, they're putting up 500 yards of offense basically every week. I think it's like four weeks in a row or something. Yeah. 
So if they're a middle, if they're a middle of the pack defense, they're very dangerous. Right. Oh, and by the, they're going to run away with this division. I mean, yeah. not not even looking back, they are going to win this game division by five games or more. Like easy. Yeah. What's uh, what's the second place team going to look like? Maybe it's the Eagles. I guess they look the best out of those three. The the football schedule, teams look horrible. Their schedule's easier than the football team. Right. So what do the Eagles get? Like six, six or seven 11, wins? Seven and ten. Yeah. They're, yeah. So I think Dallas, the Cowboys' the schedule is soft. Yeah, I think the Cowboys. I think this is an eleven or twelve win team. So they, like I said, I think five, more. Five games. Yeah. Why not? They're five and one. They've beaten some really good teams. They've beaten the Chargers, which was a huge win. And you can make an. I mean. Can make an argument, obviously, um, that they could be six and zero, but you know they lost. But they played well you know, in the game. Maybe a, a thirty seconds more, uh, less off the clock. They're six and zero. Tom Brady doesn't drive down the field and beat them by a field goal. So you really, really game, like and want to see out of Dallas. Their one loss is a very good loss, as we like to say in college. Sometimes it's a good loss, and you're right. They're right there. Right. 30, maybe thirty seconds away yeah. from beating the the one of the best. One of the teams considered to be one of the best in football. And, so you know, this is, right about them. I think, a really good part of their offense is, you know, you want to talk about Cooper and Zeke and C.D. Lamb, but and obviously Dak. But in terms of the weapons, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, and Cedric Wilson are all three really good guys for this team who have, who have stepped up and, and played their roles. And I hate how some people like to make it a criticism or make it a bad thing that Dallas has two really good running backs. Like, yeah. Tony Pollard's working very well. How is that a problem? Zeke is Zeke is Zeke. Zeke's been having a phenomenal season, and you know you have a you have um, a, a double edged sword with Tony Pollard. He's he's a guy that can come in for Zeke. Get you. He's averaging like six yards a carry. He has a lot of burst. He's dynamic in other ways. Like that is not a bad thing for them to have. A lot of successful teams, and, and I made this argument when the Giants uh, took a running back at number two. I went and looked at history, and when you look at history, teams win. Super Bowls, uh, you know, successful offenses work when you have two running backs, not one running back. And, and Zeke's the workhorse, Zeke's the lead guy, but it's really nice when you have another guy like Tony Pollard, like you just said, to come in there, change the tempo, give the running back a break. Um, it, it just works. It's better. You know, it's proven yes. that it, it's better. So you don't need one guy. You, you can use two and then, Dallas is lucky they have a star running back in Zeke, and they got another guy that could be possibly a star if he was the main guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think it's not even besides the running back part um, in terms of just focusing on one player on an offense. Like you said, the Giants with Saquon, they, you know, forcing the ball down his throat. I guess the only exception is really Derrick Henry with the Titans, but they haven't gone to the Super Bowl. You know, you don't really want to surround your offense around one player besides the quarterback. You don't want to surround it around – one weapon because eventually you can get far, but you're not going to get all the way. And, you know, we've seen it with the Titans. They've fallen short a couple of times and, you know, now they have a couple other weapons, but their, their passing game has looked dreadful, honestly. And it looks dreadful right now uh, in this game. But, but yeah, I, like we said, really like what I'm seeing out of the Cowboys. I think this team is a legit, I'm, I don't think I'm crazy saying this legit Super Bowl contender at this point. Um, Dak Prescott is a legit MVP candidate. I mean, he's had one game where he had no touchdowns, and the other five, he had three or more. So that's unbelievable. Really loving what I've seen out of the Cowboys. Listen, I'm a I'm a Giants fan. It, it pains me to say it. Um, I know a lot of haters of the Cowboys are not saying it. They are. They are one of the at least at the 
least seven best teams in football. Yeah. I, I'd say they're six. I think they're better than the Cardinals. Top three think, team in the NFC. Or top four team, I'd say, in the NFC. Four. I think it's uh, top five. The NFC is loaded. I think, I the think Cardinals, they're better than the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals, I think, you know, I, I, I might have to agree with you. I think they might be better than the Cardinals, but you, I, I got to kind of respect the Cardinals because they're 6-0 and and they've beaten some good teams. So, um, and I don't even know if they're better than the Cardinals, but I'll give it to the Cardinals. I'll give it to the Bucks. I'll give it to the Rams and I'll give it to the Packers. So I'll put them five in the NFC. NFC's loaded. Mm-hmm. There's two teams better than them in the AFC. Ravens and Bills. And Bills, yes. So the Bills are the best team in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ravens might be the best. There's a lot of good teams in football right the now. Ravens, are, the Ravens could be the best team. In football. Yeah. I, I think they're third. I think the Ravens are third. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about the Ravens because right, um, that's a game I had on my list here. I want to talk about them. I thought that this. Um, I thought this was going to be the game of the week. I thought you could have put this on 425 on CBS or Fox or 820 on NBC, and this would have been the highest-rated game of the day. It was on at 1 o'clock on CBS, and thank God it was because it was a blowout, 34-6. to The Ravens beat the Chargers, and I picked I picked the Ravens. I thought this was a pretty easy bet here with minus three, mm-hmm. but I thought it would be a competitive game, and Herbert just had nothing, and – it kind of felt that way. A young team off a huge win, playing so well, going to on the road, on the East Coast, playing a team that's been so good for a, a while now, really, mm. and a really good head coach. And that's what happens. against yeah. a young team, young coach, young quarterback. And one of the things I'm most impressed with, with John Harbaugh, who I had high on my head coach rating before the season started, 16 guys on the IR. Yep. Most in, in the NFL. And they are, like we just said, a top three team in the NFL. So shout out to John Arbaugh. He's doing a phenomenal job. Shout out to Lamar Jackson, the fastest quarterback to 35 wins in NFL history. I was wrong on him. He's fantastic and a fun mm-hmm. watch. And the Ravens are rolling right now. Yeah, the Ravens are rolling. And, you know, I think this kind of emphasizes that running back, it's, it's a nice thing to have, but it's not a position that's going to make you win or lose at the end of the day if you're lacking oh, yeah. in that department because I think the Ravens are a special case, obviously, because you have the threat of the run in your quarterback. Um, but, you know, they, losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, that, that's unfortunate. And maybe, you know, it, it doesn't – the offense would be a little more dynamic. But, you know, they're not, they're, they're not really missing a beat. And, you know, we love to, we love to criticize uh, Marquise Brown. And he had, he had a quiet game yesterday. But we love to criticize Marquise Brown for all for all the drops and everything like that. But when you look at his overall body of work this year, you know you'll you'll take those couple drops if you if you're also going to get those big plays where he scores a 50 yard touchdown. And he's had a pretty impressive season so far. So um, Rashad Bateman, he's not he's has he played a game yet? I don't believe so. Right? If he played one, I saw something about why he wasn't added in enough fantasy leagues today. I don't know if he's played or not. Okay. Um, and Mark Andrews has, has been Mark Andrews to them, a really solid red zone threat and, you know, guy slow who, start, but he's come alive. here. Yes. He's um, really started to play well offensively. He's been yeah. getting hot. And then about the chargers, you know, the, the chargers, um, I'm definitely still a believer in them. I think this game is a bit of an anomaly because I think this was an awful matchup for the chargers. I mean, you're, you're going against the best, um, the Chargers have the worst run defense in the NFL and you're going against the number one team in rush yards in the NFL. And 
that's what happened. In terms of the offensive side, um, that's a concern. You know, they didn't put up that many points, but is it a big concern? No. Teams have bad weeks. Um, the Ravens have a very good defense, like you said, on the road. Um, the Ravens also dominated the clock because they run the ball so much. So, you know, uh, Austin Eckler didn't have a typical week. Justin Herbert didn't have a typical week. All, all, all their their best players, no, but I'm, I'm still uh, – the Chargers still have a definite shot to win this division, and I think they're still going to be a playoff team. Yeah, I'm still high on the Chargers. You know I love Herbert and Brandon Staley over there. Um, Lamar didn't play like incredible. If you look at his numbers, they weren't no. great. So I think that's one of the concerns. Like Lamar didn't play so well, and they still beat you by almost 30 points. But I'm with you. I think this team's going to be fine, obviously. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're actually going to win this division. And if they played again, these two teams, I think it'll be closer. I think the Chargers are – I think the Chargers are – the third best team in the AFC. I, I still think that after this game. Yeah, the third best team crazy in the AFC. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, they're going to be fine. This game will be closer if they play again. I mean, they would like to play this one in L.A. and not on the East Coast. But, hey, you never know. It'll probably be – if they play it in the playoffs, it would probably be in Baltimore. Yeah. But we'll see. You're right. Uh, Austin Eckler was not good. Herbert was not good. Uh, the defense is going to have to step up. They're going to have to figure something out. Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. He was defensive coordinator with the Rams. He's going to have to figure something out, a defensive scheme to stop the Ravens because if they're going to make a run at all, if they want to be a great elite team, they're going to have to beat this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very odd to look at the stats that Lamar Jackson put up um, and see that they won by this much. I mean, 167 yards of pick, uh, two picks and a touchdown. That's, you know, you wouldn't imagine that they won by uh, 28 points. So, but that's what happens when you have a team that can run the ball up and down the field. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Allen's been like a little, little quiet. So, far. yeah, he has. He has. Mike, Mike Williams, Williams has been kind of taken over. Mike Williams is consistent, but he's kind of taken over. Eckler did not play well, like you said. Um, you're right. This is more of an anomaly than. Mm. It's, it's like the Packers week one. It's like, Right. Teams have bad games like that all the time. I think they'll be fine. Just like how the Ravens had a bad week one when they lost to Las Vegas on the road. Yeah, they didn't get crushed. I mean, they No, I know, but I'm saying that they're clearly a better team than Las Vegas. Well, Las Vegas is a bunch of frauds. Mm. Four and two frauds. Um, let's stick in the division here. I want to go to the Browns and the Cardinals. The Cardinals, who are without their head coach – quarterbacks coach offensive coin everything mm. any big time coach you can imagine they were without they were without chandler jones they go to cleveland and cleveland is regarded as one of the better teams in the afc and just dominate the Browns. Mm. and the browns were banged up too no nick Chubb. but come on man you you lose like that at home yeah baker are you kidding me i mean I think at this point, Baker's holding this team back, if you ask me. I mean, yeah. this guy has had countless opportunities, all the weapons in the world, the O-lines, the defenses. And, you know, he just hasn't stepped up to the table. And I got to say, I expected him to step up this year, and um, he isn't. And, you know, now he's got the injury of the shoulder. Uh, he re-injured it yesterday. Pretty nasty uh, collision with the ground that he had, actually. A lot of pressure that he put on that shoulder. But, you know, this is what the Browns – uh. This is who they 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 risked their franchise on a couple years ago, 
And it's not really paying off right now. And, you know, I think at the end of the season, um, if the Browns don't have the season they envisioned and Baker still doesn't play well, I think it's time to move on. And you look for either a draft prospect or, um, you know, go go try and sign somebody in free agency. Aaron Rodgers' name might be getting thrown around in trades and whatnot or opt out, whatever he's got going on. Um, but, you know, not, not good. I mean, this team, the Browns, with a, they're supposed to have a dominant defense, did not look like that yesterday. I mean, the Cardinals picked them apart. Um, in their defense, it's not like the, uh, the Browns were exactly dominating the time of possession and giving them opportunities to, to get off the field and, and be put in good field position on defense. But Baker, it's, it's now and ever, man. You Injuries, whatnot, this is the year. No more excuses. A lot of excuses have been made for Baker Mayfield over his career, and I'm kind of sick of them because I've been critical of him throughout his career because I didn't think he deserved to be the number one pick. I thought he was a first-round pick. I thought he was even a top-ten pick. I did not think he deserved to be the first pick in that draft. And we've seen, especially last year, and I was killed for this, that I still thought Baker Mayfield was a game manager, and he was playing well, and he's put up, you know, big games here. But I still believe that. And Baker Mayfield needs everything to be perfect for him. He needs the offensive line to be healthy and going. He needs the running game to be efficient. And he needs his defense to keep the other the opposing team's offense off the field. And when all of those things are not clicking, Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback. Yeah. That's it. And if you're the number one overall pick, we've seen it with Trevor. We've seen it with Trevor Lawrence early in his career. This guy is, even though they have one win, he's stepping up. He's he's not afraid to make throws, and he's making you know pretty nice plays. I thought I think Lawrence has looked pretty pretty good so far, considering the circumstances. Yes, he's the number one overall pick. All of these things shouldn't have to go right for you to succeed. And when they don't go right, you're not succeeding. So I don't know what they're going to do. I think they've invested too much. I'm happy that they haven't paid him yet. I don't know how they will move off of him here, but they have to, they have to look for a plan here to possibly get another quarterback because this roster is too good. It's a, such a loaded roster. They are too good to waste all this talent. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're in a window right now, you know, guys are going to start coming off the books. Um, where our guys are going to have to be put on the books in big numbers when you talk Baker's about one of those guys, when you talk about Baker and you talk about uh, Denzel Ward and certain, you know, young guys on this team. Um, and you're right. Yeah. Baker hasn't stepped up to the plate. Um, and it's odd because when he came in as a rookie, that, that game against um, the jets on Thursday night football, when he came in that game and all of a sudden it, it's like a, 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 a switch flipped and the Browns were, looking like a pretty good team. Um, he looked like he had good control of the offense and, you know, just looked like he didn't really look like a rookie. Um, and, you know, there were obviously hiccups um, and there still are hiccups with Baker, but you really felt, you know, after that rookie season, he had a phenomenal rookie year. We almost won the, did he win the offensive rookie of the year? I think he did, right? No, Saquon won. Saquon won. Okay. Um but you felt like this guy might be the answer moving forward. The Browns might have finally found their quarterback. And, um, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't say he's a he's not a bust, but for a number one pick, he's a bust. he's not a boom he's not, either. He's not if if he leaves this offseason and you're looking for another quarterback, then yeah, he's a bust, especially with the first overall pick. You didn't at the end of the day, you failed, you didn't find your franchise quarterback. Yes, you made it to the playoffs. Who knows? I think they're still going to make it this year, but um, 
you know, you had a couple playoff runs and whatnot. You went from rags to riches technically, but um, at the end of the day, you didn't get it done. You didn't find your franchise quarterback. Let's give some credit here to the Arizona Cardinals for doing what they did. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Cardinals scored 37 points in Cleveland without a head coach, without an offensive coordinator. They had guys taking turns, calling plays over there. They were unbelievable. They've been unbelievable. I haven't given them enough credit. Um, And maybe I'm still not because I don't think they're one of the five best teams in football. But Kyler Murray has been exceptional. The offensive line has played better than I thought. Mm-hmm. The mistakes have been limited, especially since the beginning of this season. And they have somewhat of a ground game. They're able to be balanced. And again, Kyler Murray is just able to make plays. And their receiver, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has been great. A.J. Brown has stepped up. Uh, A.J. Green has stepped up for them. Mm-hmm. And obviously Christian Kirk. And they just traded for Zach Ertz now, who I think will be an upgrade over Max Williams and whoever they had. This is this is looking really really good for the uh, for the Cardinals and their defense. Chandler Jones out last week, but he's been playing pretty well so far this season. And JJ Watt had a good game in Cleveland. He's been better than I ever thought he would be over there. Yeah, and you know this Cardinals team. You just mentioned a couple of names. They're kind of a mixture of veterans and and young players because you have your Kyler Murray's and your Chase Edmonds and uh, your Isaiah Simmons and Buddha Baker guys like that. And then you look at J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones and Zach Ertz and DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. So a lot of veterans on that team, too. And I think that helps Zach Ertz, like you said, James Conner. You know, I think that helps you out when you have veteran leadership and guys who can still, you know, have been around for a while and can still play at a high level. Um, And, you know, this team has been a surprise. They're 6-0. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Kyler Murray um, has played well. Maybe something – a lot of people saw coming. That's not really much of a surprise, but the rest of the team kind of coming together and uh, you know, the offensive line, like you mentioned, that's a surprise. And I think this team is setting themselves up obviously very well for uh, a chance to win this division um, and a chance to even at some point, we got to start talking first round by, I wouldn't get there yet. There's a lot of teams with five and one records or who are right there, but you know, they, they, they've beaten some really good teams, the Cardinals. This isn't no Steelers, you know, we're beating the Jaguars and the Broncos by two points and, you know, we were 11-0 and or whatnot. They're 6-0 and and they've beaten the 49ers. They've beaten the Browns. The Rams. They've, they've beaten the Rams. Like, they have some really nice victories under their belt. So, this team's going to have a really legit shot to uh, win this division and make a deep postseason run. Yeah, I think, and I'm including myself in this, where not enough people have given them enough credit. And I'm a big Kyler Murray guy. You know that. Yeah. And I mean, I had them finishing third in this division. I had them fourth at eight, nine. (laughs) They're about to eclipse that win total. Yeah. It's been interesting. They're Kyler again. He's a fun watch. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm rooting for them, but I'm always pulling for Kyler. Kyler's my guy. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite stories, surprisingly, of the day. Let's um, move over to the Packers and the Bears. You know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. He's not my favorite guy. He's actually yeah. grown on me a little bit, yeah. but he's not my favorite guy. This yesterday was unfreaking believable what he did to those Bears fans. So the, the Packers beat the Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago, 24 to 14. They beat Justin Fields. They kind of kept it close a little bit, but ultimately the Packers finish out strong. And 
there was a touchdown in which Aaron Rodgers run. He faked pump fakes, runs to the corner of the end zone, gets in. He shoved late a little bit, no flag. But as he's getting up, he looks at the fans in like the corner of the end zone and he's getting middle fingers, double birds. And he's screaming at them, I own you. I've always <laughs> owned you. I still own yeah. you. And I was like, that is amazing. I hate mm-hmm. the Bears. For whatever reason, I hate the Bears. Yeah, I don't like That the Bears. was amazing. I love that. What a boss moment right there for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, you know, he has a right to talk shit, you know? Like, this team. Yeah, he does. This, he's 21-5 and five against the Bears all time. I mean, That's- he's. He's had a six-touchdown game against the Bears. He's just – he sent the Bears home in the uh, – you know, in the race for the division. We remember that from years ago, the touchdown to Randall Cobb at Soldier Field. So, yeah, the the Aaron Rodgers has a right to talk to Bears fans and say that. And, you know, I think it's clear this guy's at a point in his career where he doesn't he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. He doesn't – he's yeah. going to be uh, move to the beat of his own drum kind of a thing. He does not care. Um and like I said, 21 and five, he's just absolutely dominated Chicago. He's dominated this division for years. Um, and the Packers are where they are every year. This is a team with an explosive offense with a great quarterback. Um, who's who's going to be contending this year? Yeah, the only surprise I had yesterday was the fact that it was only a 10-point game. Right. They were going to kill him. Right. And Justin Fields kind of showed, oh, he showed a couple of flashes, but overall – showed that he was a rookie quarterback still learning and Mm -hmm. i'm not a big believer in justin fields but um hey he he won a couple of games throw he made on the run where he threw a pick basically but it was out of bounds he overthrew it by 10 yards but yes he's a rookie rookie mistakes like you said i agree with you was he thought he got the offsides and he chucked it downfield and it was pick. that was terrible i agree with you i don't i'm not a big believer in justin fields I don't, you know, Justin Fields, the prospects, I'm not uh, the prospect. I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I think he, in certain situations, could have uh, success. But I think with Matt Nagy and this organization, I don't, I don't see this ending well. The fit, yeah, I think that's it. The fit in the organization doesn't right. make sense because you know he has to fit in with the Patriots. He has some some nice traits. Um, obviously, we know how the legs are. He he can throw. He can you know evade pressure scramble and whatnot and he has a strong arm he's a good deep thrower um but you know i want to point out something and i noticed it when i was watching this game yesterday the announcers made a comment um justin fields rolled out to his right a little bit looked around nobody was open and then he scrambled all the way to the left and ended up getting a game and they were talking about how look at that look at the way he can use his legs and and escape the pocket and whatnot but Looking at that play, I actually disagreed. I saw that as a bad play because, um, yes, he got lucky and was able to escape, but I've noticed a tendency with him, and I think a lot of rookie quarterbacks do this, where he just he's holding on to the ball for too long. And, listen, at one point, like, you got to run or throw it away. He waited a solid couple of seconds looking around, and he was lucky that nobody came around from his blind side and, and sacked him because if that – without that, he's, he's able to scramble. But if that does happen – there's a strip sack. There's a sack of whatever. A, a, a hit. He gets hit as he throws. Whatever. You got to get the ball out. You. That's not going to fly in the NFL. You can't just sit back there for four seconds and then decide now I'm going to scramble out. Yeah, you're right again. You know he showed he showed his inexperience. You're 100 percent right. You could get away with something like that maybe in college, but mm-hmm. 
not in the NFL, not all the time. Mm-hmm. Joe Davis and Greg Olson, by the way, on the call yesterday. Joe Davis, my new favorite broadcaster in all oh, sports. Back to the Cardinals game, because you just brought up broadcasting. You know, maybe it's because I'm a Jet fan and I have a tendency to hate Mark Sanchez because he was just so bad at the end, but I think he's an awful commentator. I Listening to him yesterday and the week before he did the 49ers game, it's very hard to listen to. Yeah, uh, I think he's more suited for a, a studio type show. Agreed. Just like A-Rod. I think A-Rod yes. works better in that. I think there's guys like that, the former players that work better in studio. And that's fine because, you know, I mean, not to go off topic, but A-Rod with, you know, Brian Thomas and David Ortiz, like he's funny. He's yeah, funny. He it's fun. It's entertaining. Mark Sanchez, I think, even did a couple of shows with the college pregame with Fox, and he was good. He's He's got, I mean, he's got some insight, but he could be entertaining. So, yeah, I, I don't like him either um, in the broadcast booth. I think Greg Olson is good. Yeah, I like Greg, Greg Olson. Greg Olson's very good, actually. Mm-hmm. And he's he just started in this, so. He's definitely somebody to watch, but um, they should yeah. just put Gus Johnson on every game. You know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna um, believe me. I don't love Gus Johnson. I think you not love Gus Johnson. Too. I don't know what too it excited. is. His voice too excited. His voice doesn't feel big time. You, you know, Joe Davis. He he does the Dodger games. Yeah. He did. Uh, playoff games he did the Packer game he has like a big game voice I don't know what it's about I can't even tell you what it is he just has a big game voice all right Fuck. Like has voice. a big game voice fair enough uh, I don't know it's weird it's it's a feeling it's it's, it's all you know what as long as they do you know like Gus Johnson does a fine job to me it's just about not liking its opinion he does do right. a good job Gus Johnson he's you know he's into the game he's you know, it doesn't mess anything up. It's just opinion based. Mm-hmm. Here. I know a lot of people that love him. Right. Uh, people, you know, why was this a topic again? Why does this become a topic where, you know, people argue whether or not Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football? I mean, what is that argument? I mean, what? I mean, come on. I, I'm going to be honest with you. This might sound like I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I don't think it's close. Like, I, who's two? Hopkins? Yeah, I think no, hot. Between I, one and two is big. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think Va- Devontae is number one, but I wouldn't say it's there's a gap. I mean, Hopkins is other world. I think you could Wait. maybe say there's a. I don't know. I think maybe you could say there's a gap after Hopkins. I think you could group Adams That's and fair. Hopkins in the same category. Speaking about putting these players in these certain tiers or whatever. Can we take Pat Mahomes off the pedestal finally and put him in the same group as some of these other guys? Because guess what people, he is human. It's okay. I can, I can put a graphic up before the season saying Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. And then put Pat Mahomes too now. And nobody's going to go crazy because you got guess killed what? for that. Pat, yeah, I did get killed for that. And I look right at this point. I mean, Pat Mahomes threw two interceptions yesterday was, you know, playing backyard football like he does. He made some nice – and Pat Mahomes is otherworldly talented. But let's stop acting like this guy is so far and beyond everybody else. Yeah, he played pretty well yesterday, 68% completion, 400 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, the, one of those interceptions was – one of them was a draw pass from Tyree Kill wasn't his fault. The other one is, like, unforgivable. Yeah, He was going down. He literally just, like, moved his arm. I don't know what his deal is, Patrick Mahomes. I guess he thinks a sack is worse than a turnover, but he has to take these sacks. A right. lot of these interceptions I'm seeing this season are him as he's going down, letting the ball go. Go down with the football. 
Right. I mean, he's a on sack is not the worst thing. I mean, he's on pace for 22 interceptions right now. Like, pump the freaking brakes. Everybody wants to just, you know, come out and grab your throat and be like, what the hell are you talking about? Please. Pat Mahomes is good. But let's not do this with the way Tom Brady and everything like that, where we just want to put this guy on, on, you know, number one and leave him there and nobody can touch him. These guys are human. They're not going they're not robots and are going to put out the same stats year after year. Ratings move around, uh, stats move around, standings move around, like pump the brakes on Pat Mahomes. He is a first ballot Hall of Fame talent, one of the greatest arm talents I've ever seen. He's not Superman. I'm gonna say this. I think he's gonna correct these mistakes and go back on that pedestal. That's my like I oh, think. If this guy ends up throwing, you know, 45 touchdowns this year or 50 touchdowns, whatever, I won't be surprised. He's Pat Mahomes. He's fantastic. I think by the end of the year, he'll he'll be the best quarterback. But, you know, my point also is why is it – I'm getting too caught up in my list, but I just want – Aaron Rodgers had 48 touchdowns and five interceptions last year. He literally had the best season of his career, which people think that he is – some people think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And he had 48 touchdowns, five picks, over 120 passer rating. But me saying Pat Mahomes is, is second below him is crazy. Whatever. I rest my case. I'm fine. Don't let, don't let the haters get to your head there. Mm-hmm. It's all narratives. It's so stupid. I'm a big Pat Mahomes guy. Also a big Josh Allen guy. Oh, wait. Before Josh Allen. Did you see what Pat Mahomes' brother did? Yeah, let's calm down. No, come on. That's pretty bad. No, you know what's bad, JM? The fact that that disgusting organization uses yeah. Sean Taylor's retirement day as a, you know, block blocking what was about to come out in those emails that they were investigating with the owners. That's what's terrible. That That's is. what should be talking about. I mean, about. they're one of the worst run organizations in the sport. No, no, no. no. They are the most disgusting organization in, in sports. Right. They are terrible. They are... They've had creeps and terrible human beings running the organization, owners, Dan Snyder, and it's just absolutely disgusting. They should have got blasted for that. And you know right. what they're about to do, right? They're about to gonna they're gonna come out with that investigation. They're gonna come out with the the evidence, and they're gonna drop the name on us. They're gonna say we're the Washington Redwolves. Yeah, yeah. And idiots in the media are gonna say, oh well, this came out, but let's talk about the Red Wolves and how yeah. they're gonna be this. And what do we think of the name? That's what they're going to do. They are disgusting. Sean Taylor's number should have been retired, you know, years ago. And the fact that it wasn't retired is whatever. But now you do it. You announce yes. it on a Thursday before. Yes. So- Come on. You can't make it more obvious. I mean, the Mets, the Mets should have taken a page out of their book. You know, they when uh, the thing about Zach, what's his name again? I forget his name. The, 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 uh, the old guy who got fired because he was a creep. The Mets? Yeah, the GM. Oh, Zach. Oh, um, Zach Scott. Porter. Porter. Oh, Jared Porter. Jared yeah. Porter. Yeah. When that when that stuff came out, they should have been. Oh, we're the you know, the New York Mustangs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or let's retire yeah. Carlos Delgado's number today or some th- something stupid. Yeah. No, but, yeah. Um. But yeah, that that is just 
timing, guys, really, and you announce it three days before the game? Come on. And why now? Like, what is the significance of now with the timetable with Sean Taylor? Why would you do it 20 years later? They literally issued an apology. It should have been done years ago. They're terrible. They are terrible people. They, whatever. He should, and you know what? It's funny because you shouldn't even force him to, to sell the team because they're worth almost $3 billion. So Dan Snyder sells the team. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a billionaire and he's already a billionaire. He becomes even richer. So it's like, you're not punishing him by making him sell the team. They what should, did anyone ever, do you know if anyone's ever worn 21 since Sean Taylor? I don't know. I'm not sure, but you know, cause I know like the Marlins, nobody's worn 16 since Jose Fernandez died. They haven't retired the number yet, but whatever. Um, Wow, we just talked a lot about football. Do we have any more games left to talk about? I mean, the Bills and the Titans are in the are in halftime right now, so we're not going to be able Titans to talk about High-scoring game. Um, Bills defense, you know, it's been great. They picked Tannehill off, but he doesn't, you know, they haven't looked great. Right. I just want to rant uh, about the Giants before we, we go because um, we'll go to baseball. There's a lot going on. Baseball's hot. Um, I got a lot to say. I got a full page here of Giants. We're not going to get oh, that. We're not going to get that. Everything. I, just, I just need to get this off my chest because the New York Giants, you know, and I'm not saying I expected a win. They lost 38 to 11 at home to the Rams. And, you know, as a Giants fan, it's the worst they have been in my life. This is, you know, the, the biggest low point in my fandom. And it's pretty disgusting that, Nobody's been fired that, you know, and I know it's, it's immature to say, but as a fan that's been suffering for five years, watching the worst team in the sport. And I'm not, I don't think this is crazy. The Giants since 2017 may be the worst franchise in all of sports. And if they're not, they're probably in the top three of that. That's, that's not crazy to say. How far off? It's disgusting. They have an owner, JM. John Mara has to be put on the level of Jeff Wilpon and James Dolan. That's how bad he's been. Mm-hmm. He is so out of touch. He's so involved. He's a spineless clown. And he he needs to back off. He needs to get rid of his friends in the front office. He has to hire people to help him hire the next general manager and whole front office because everybody's got to go. It's toxic. They have to blow this whole thing up. And it's just so stressful talking about it. Yeah, you're right. They do have to blow it up. Um, Are you going to, you know, now you're going to be looking for a head coach probably for the third, you know, you've gone through McAdoo, you've gone through Shermer, you've gone through judge two years of peace, everybody. Right. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't had a coach make it into his third year since Tom Coughlin. So, you know, Maybe you get you ask Tom Coughlin, you know, you got to can you become like 20 years younger and do this for a while because we need you right now. But um this old Joe Judge mantra, my, you know, it's up. It's the military boot camp philosophy thing isn't really working because these guys don't really look like they they're going out there with a the fire under their ass and are ready to, you know, seize the day cuz they've quit on this team, they've quit on their coaches, they've quit on the fan base. Yeah. And it was clear yesterday. The fact that this clown Joe Judge left his quarterback in, it was just in uh, concussion protocol a week, left him in it, the whole fourth quarter when the Rams took everybody out and they were down by 30. What the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And 
he wants to be an asshole with the media. Excuse my language. Bill Belichick is um, an idiot, right? Bill Bill Belichick is wait. I'm sorry, I just read something. He's not an idiot. He's yeah, a, he's an a hole. Yeah, right. he's an a hole with the media. He has a right to be an a hole with the media because he's the greatest coach. He has ever. six Super Bowls. Now Joe Judge cannot. He can't be like that because he's not the greatest coach ever, and he's just. He's so like. Also, read the room. You're in New York. You're not in New England. This is the media will rip you apart. Right. And he's like so. I'm looking for the word. He puts people down. Like he's, he acts like he's smarter than right. everybody in the room. Like who, who's not smarter than you? You're, you're seven and 15 as an NFL head coach, and he thinks he's like the greatest. Right. Thing to since sliced bread. I'm so and it's so crazy that six games into the season, I'm turned off by Joe Judge because I love them, but I'm I'm done. And you know, I, I gotta say, I'm not a big fan of midseason firings and everything like that. I if I was a Giants fan, I would be disgusted right now. The fact that Dave Gettleman still has a job with the New yeah. York Giants. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, that is Twitter all day. That is absolutely ridiculous. Like this guy should have been gone two years ago, if you ask me, and he's still. Still making decisions for this team, and you know what's you know what's funny? It's that I, I didn't like the hire. I thought this was you know again he was Dave Gellman was with the franchise early in his career. He had a tie to Ernie Acorsi, who was the guy that drafted and I mean traded for Eli Manning. So you know obviously we're hiring friends, we're hiring people that know each other in the organization or have a tie to the organization. Right. That's all we do. But I didn't like the hire, and you're right. Not only have they given, not only has Gettleman been here and been terrible, they've actually given him a chance to actually build something. Two head coaches, a quarterback drafted, millions of dollars spent, including this offseason in which they spent over $100 million, and they are absolutely terrible. This was supposed to be a season where we took a step. where We were like, here is competence. Here is maybe 2022 season. We are competing for a playoff spot or, you know, legitimately in the playoff race where this season was, again, supposed to be the stepping stool with the new players and the money spent. No, it's not that. And it's going downhill. It's going downhill fast. Fans should not go to the games. They should not buy their merchandise. They should boycott this game because this is where we're at. And, you know, with Dave Gettleman, can, can, how about you don't hire people just based off word of mouth and resumes and everything like that? How about you hire a guy based off, how you feel, how he's going to run your team, the the connection you have with him, is everyone on the same page, the personality, his philosophies. Like, Dave Gettleman just, he doesn't, the puzzle piece just doesn't fit with him. He's Every, out like, of touch. He's, he's out he of really, touch. He's, he's just out of guy. touch. He is. And now, young, innovative general manager. And now you're at that super depressing part where it's just like, well, what the hell do we do now? Because we've been talking about what we're building for the past three years, four years, and now it's all crap. You're going into another rebuild. Who stays? Daniel Jones might be gone now. You know, with yes. if the coach is gone and the GM's gone. And now you have to pick it up It could be a Sam Donald situation where they're like, well, we don't want to, you know, this guy's dam- damaged goods. We don't want to help build this guy up. Saquon Barkley should be gone. Uh Who's left? Andrew Thomas, Kenny Galladay, you know, those guys, Kadarius, Tony, obviously. But your key players, you're done. Those, the guys the guys who you wanted to make this rebuild after, Saquon and Daniel Jones, gone. So, failure. But 
what can you do? You're not going to keep more, them around. It's it's, it's pathetic, but it's pathetic. But you know that that's the one thing about sports that's really hard to swallow when you're a fan of a team. You want to hire the right people and you want the good players in the building, but at the end of the day, you can't fire your owner. So you just got to deal with it. He's on the level of Will Pond and Dolan. He's got to get out of the way. It's not he inherited a fantastic franchise, a historic franchise. Yep. And he's put it to shit. And mm-hmm. that's where we're at. All right. Enough of the depression. We've got base playoff baseball to talk about. Um, when we get back after this. The SD Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at SNDpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go. We are back. Episode 40, a big one here. Uh, we've 40, 40 is a big number. Oh, yeah. Almost as big as 50. Couple yeah, weeks, th- couple months, whatever. We're already planning the big party. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. It's um, going to be crazy. Let's talk some playoff baseball. Who doesn't love some playoff baseball? It's the greatest thing. And when your team's in it, it's even better. Oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't know, though. Must be but nice. um, let's start with the uh, Dodgers and the Braves. It's been an interesting series so far. Atlanta Braves are up 2 0. As they beat the Los Angeles Dodgers Sunday night five to four, they were down four two in the eighth. Austin Riley, who has just been on freaking believable, he comes up clutch with a two run double in the bottom of the eighth off of Julio Urias. I'm almost positive, and then Eddie Rosario wins it in the ninth with an RBI single, and the Braves are sitting pretty up too well. Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, the Braves got off to a good start in this series last year. They went up 3-1 on the Dodgers, actually. But 2-0 and then 3-1. Weren't able to close the deal. But, um, yeah, the, the Braves have come up with the timely hits. Um, they've been able to string hits together, have rallies. So, they're looking good. Um, now you have the challenge of going to L.A. And, you know, um, one loss could swing momentum the other way. But – there's nothing bad about winning the first two games of the series. I mean, you're in the driver's seat right now. The Dodgers have the pressure on them. So, um, I like what I see out of the Braves. Um, it's crazy to see where they are right now, considering they don't have the best player, Ronald Acuna Jr. But, you know, when you think about this Braves team, we think about the offense and Freddie Freeman and Ozzie Albies and obviously, like I mentioned, Acuna, who's out, and now Austin Riley. Um, but credit to this pitching staff. They've, they've done phenomenal so far in this series so far. Um, Max Freed has been big for them the whole season. Um, and, you know, Ian Anderson got pulled out early yesterday, but the bullpen came up big for them. Um, and we've seen that. Um, why am I drawing a blank right now? Brian Snitker has had a tendency to pull his starters a little early in the postseason, and it's been working. Um, that kind of that analytical philosophy where you don't want to see your players, uh, the pitchers face the lineup a third time. Um, and the bullpen's come up big. You know, you have Will Smith is a guy who's had his struggles so far. Uh, who has had his struggles throughout the season, but as of late, he's been pitching well. Um, you know, there's more baseball to be played, but you got to like what you see out of the Braves completely as a team so far. Yeah, Max Freed is an ace. Charlie Morton's been great for them all year, and he's a big game pitcher. And Ian Anderson in his young career, other than uh, Sunday night, he's um, he's been really good in the postseason. Uh, Ian Anderson's issue is getting out of the first inning, and he has long first innings. He has a couple of runs that's been – the MO this year, and he had a long one against the Braves Sunday, but 
you know, I still trust him, but that's a nice one, two, three punch right there. And you said they're missing Acuna and it's crazy and it's scary that they're doing this without him, but they're also missing Mike Soroka who looked like he was going to be, you know, an ace for this team or, you know, a mm-hmm. top end of the rotation guy. And he's been out all season. So it's, it's very impressive what they've been doing. Uh, credit to Brian Snicker. He's done a good job. Um, to me, I think the MVP of this team is Austin Riley though. Yeah. And just how good he's been. It's really crazy. It's the home run on Saturday night, the big hit again on Sunday. He had the walk off Saturday night too. They're good. I mean, yeah, and no um, doubt about it. You know, the Braves have been one of those teams over the over the years that they've had bullpen issues, and they are they're having guys in Luke Jackson stepping up. Um, Tyler Matzik has stepped up for them. Guys like AJ Minter, and you yeah. know they've they've had guys this postseason that are pitching well, and you know that's that's what we talk about a lot. We talk about pitching is going to take you a long way in the postseason. And um, especially bullpen when you don't have, you know, there's only so many Max Scherzers that can go around. So having guys to come out of the bullpen and hold a lead or keep a game from getting ugly, that's really important. And that's what's helping them so far. And, you know, I think this is just the sport of baseball is just crazy. I mean, to me, saying that. Now the Red Sox are going to have a lead in this series. They're, they're beating the Astros 9-3, to three, unless anything crazy happens. To say that the Red Sox and the Braves will be leading the NL, the championship series in each league, I mean, if you told me that a month ago or two months ago, I would have been like, come on, really? The Red Sox, you know, were fighting for a wild card spot. The Braves were playing 500 ball the whole year up until about August. So – it just proves you you, you got to get in and then, you know, you get hot at the right time and you're in the right spot. And listen, this could easily still be a Dodgers appearance in the World Series, but the fact that they're there and they're playing the baseball they are right now, it's crazy. Let's let's switch over to Dodgers. Um, it's been surprising. Their, their bats really haven't been uh, – they haven't woke up yet this series. They weren't fantastic against the Giants. They were facing really good pitching but they couldn't come alive against the Giants either other than a, a couple of games there. But I think that's the the, the craziest part. Um, also, the way Dave Roberts has used his um, his pitching has been interesting. You know, you got a lot of money tied in to, um, you know, this roster and the pitching staff. And, you know, again, I'm, you know, kind of on board with the analytics here and, and how he does it. He used the bullpen game, game one. It worked. You know, they, they – Gave up two runs until the ninth. You know, mm-hmm. it, it worked. They've got a great bullpen. And Max Scherzer did not have it. He admitted it. He said his arm was dead. He was only hitting, you know, 91, 92, 93 with his four-seam fastball in game two. And they pulled him in the fifth. And yeah. he went to his bullpen again. But, you know, I just – I hope they don't overwork this bullpen. They, they used Julio Urias in that game. When is he going to start? Mm-hmm. You have Bueller going in game three, but – what what, do you, what are we doing here? Uh, I think they're not feeling go the effects. Game six. I think they're feeling the effects of no Kershaw, um, and obviously the loss of Trevor Bauer months ago. Yeah. But this rotation is a little shorthanded right now, and like you said, you're seeing them do a couple bullpen days. But you know, if I had to assess this team's problems, you know, you said they've done a pretty good job. The pitching staff, it's the hitting this series. You know, they haven't really been hitting that well, um, and that needs to change. Um, especially, you know, now they're going home, so. They'll probably feel a little more comfort at home hitting. Um, but 
it's a must win game three. I mean, there's, there's no such thing as a must win game. You're always in it until you're done, but this is about as close to must win as you can get. I mean, you don't want to go down three up. There's only one team that's come down uh, back from three out. So you don't, you're, you're going to just dig yourself in an even deeper hole. Right. They, they could do this down to, oh, you know, you had mentioned it about the, um, when the Red Sox won, you said, you know, when you have these series, you know, the, the one seed gets the first two at home, then the lower seed gets three at home. And then the last two are back to the higher seed. You said that's actually an advantage for the team that has a, the lower seed. Yeah. And you're right, especially when it goes to when it comes in, in the Red Sox case. But here, like, I think there's there's so much pressure on the Dodgers. Like, these are the only three games you're getting at home. You know, I hope they don't feel this pressure. Oh, we got to win all three. Like, right. Just take it game by game. You'd love to win all three, but you, you can't go into this thinking that. I, I think the Dodgers are going to come back. Yeah, that's my prediction. I'll come back and win this year. I would not be surprised at all. And I, you know, we saw them do it last year and they could definitely do it again. I mean, you're down to, you got to go four and one in your next five games. And this Dodgers team won 106 games in the regular season. That's, you know, not as hard of a task compared to other teams. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, and like you just repeated with the whole um, format, this isn't the NBA where it's a 2 2 1 1 1 format for home field advantage it's two three two so when we're talking about the red sox you split that series in houston guess what now it series is even you got three home games there's more pressure on houston to you know they got more on them to win some of these games and bring it back to houston but la is in a different position they dropped the first two games but like we said this team can easily come back in this series. Um, I would like to see the Braves make it. Um, at the same time, I, I am a Yankees fan, so I don't want to see the Astros or especially the Red Sox win. So maybe the Dodgers would give them a little more of a hard time. But at the end of the day, the best team's going to make it. The best team playing at that time is going to make it. So I'm not going to get caught up in it. And I, it, it would be nice to see uh, some guys like Freddie Freeman and others make an appearance in the World Series. Hey, your boy, Freddie Freeman. Um. Yeah, I think again the biggest surprise here is the way the Dodgers, um, the lack of lack of offense. Yeah, they got they got they got to pick it up. So we'll see. Let's. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. I was getting a call here, and I'm looking at my phone. But let me get off of that. Let me go back and let me see if I could think of what I was going to say. And give myself five seconds, and if I can't think, let's of it, go to Red Sox Astros, and if it comes back, it comes back. All right. Red Sox and Astros are playing right now. Series tied 1-1. The Red Sox are up 9-3. Kyle Schwarber hit a grand slam in the first in the second inning. It's now and nine. Oh, sorry. I looked at the score from the other day. Never mind. It's 9-3. Yep. Uh, bottom six. Heading to the bottom of the sixth. Kyle Schwarber made it 6-0 with a grand slam in the second inning off of Jose Yerkety. And there is a massive problem. You know, Houston, we have a problem because – they are low on starting pitching. And I know, again, you know, new age of baseball, starting pitching isn't, you know, the bullpens are becoming more prominent here. Right. But I, I'm a sucker for starting pitching still. You know, I want my team to have very good starting pitching, and I want them to have a great bullpen too. But you need starters here. You need starters to go deep into this game because you don't want to overwork that bullpen, especially in the postseason. And the Astros have just not gotten – they've gotten nothing out of their starters 
you know, Jose Yerkity gives him four outs today. Right. Um, I think Luis Garcia gave him five outs in game two. And Framar Valdez was not any better in, in game one. So they are running out of pitchers. They are already without their ace, Lance McCullers. And I I think Boston's going to run, run away with this. Yeah, and, you know, just looking at the games as a whole, you know, we looked at the season this year and we saw a lot of starting pitchers in the AL, in the AL Cy Young race. We were like, these guys' ERAs are not nearly compared to the NL. And then, you know, that's just the way it's played. The NL is usually a little bit more small ball, you know, no DH and everything like that. And it seems like there's maybe a little more uh, better hitters or weaker pitchers in the AL. And that's the way it's gone in the playoffs. You know, you, the, the Red Sox outmatched the Rays and the Astros outmatched the White Sox. And now you're seeing the Red Sox outmatch the Astros. When you go over to the NL, the Braves outpitched the Brewers and the Dodgers outpitched the Giants. You know, there were a lot of close, low-scoring games. And we see in the Braves series, too, not crazy scores going on. So it's just funny the way American League Baseball is being played. We're seeing nine, ten runs scoring games. And you're not seeing that in the NL. So two different formats of baseball being played. It's going to be interesting to see when whichever pairing of these teams collide in the world series, how the games go, but you're right. Houston's pitching has been bad. Um, the Red Sox have been just tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, three grand slams in one postseason is amazing. Three in one series is even better. Um, three in two days. Yeah. Three in two days. So, you know, the Red Sox, a lot of people criticize their trade deadline, but, they're kind of getting the last laugh right now. I mean, you see Kyle Schwarber uh, mashing for this team, and he still doesn't really have a position. You know, he's playing first base, but he doesn't look all that comfortable there. But it's uh, it's getting the job done. And, I mean, the star of the show is still Kike Hernandez. I mean, guy's batting 500 in the postseason, um, having a he's Randy Rosarena-esque postseason. So this Red Sox team, uh, I, I agree with you. I think I think they're going to win this series. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just saying that based on, off of the pitching here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eduardo Rodriguez at his best start. He's looked, he looked fantastic today. And he actually, yeah, he went six innings, five hits, three runs, seven strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, it was a three-run shot he gave up to Kyle Tucker. He's been great. Uh, he's been good for them in the postseason. He gave him a nice start against the Rays, and he's been great tonight. So, um, you know, Boston, Boston looks good. But mm-hmm. it's it's gonna get interesting. Dusty Baker, who is probably a Hall of Fame manager, just can't. I don't know if he's gonna be able to manage some manage around how the lack of starting pitching. I, I don't I don't know how it's gonna be possible. I don't I don't know who they're gonna have to outmatch the Red Sox, off. which is not easy to do. It's not easy to do, but you know I was saying this before. I mean they they can like they could. They're not doing it right now, but they can. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I hope it's an exciting series. I hope it goes like six or seven. I just don't think. I think it will. I think it will. And, you know, um, I think with this Astros offense, they can keep themselves in it. They have a lot of guys who have been there and can come up with the big hits. So I would say Carlos Correa is their best player, you'd say, right? To this year? Yeah. Um, This year, I'd say him or Kyle Tucker. Or Altuve's had a really good year too, Yuli Uriel. But Kyle Tucker's had a fantastic season. He hit a three-run home run tonight. He's had some big hits for them this postseason. So I've, I've been really impressed with him. You know, I think it's pretty interesting. They bat him fifth, uh, Correa. Yeah. I don't I don't like that. Interesting. Yeah. 
I'd probably bat him second or third if I could. Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to maximize him as much as possible. I want to right. give him the maximum amount of at bats. But I find that interesting. So I'd, yeah, we're I'd dying. switch him and Bregman. I'd right. also, you know, Michael Brantley, he, he had a good year for them, but he didn't, uh, the power is not there. And I don't know about hitting a guy with no power second. I'm not so sure about that. It's interesting. Yeah, I would change it. I would put Brantley lead off and Altuve second. Second and Correa. Because, third. you know, uh, I'm, I'm a believer. In, you know, there's there's a kind of a stereotype for leadoff hitters in baseball where you have to be fast. I'm not a believer in that. Um, I think Once you, you know, get on base. I mean, yeah, you just got to get on base. I mean, it's nice to have a Trey Turner, a guy who can bat 330 and also can steal 50 bags. Like, <laughs> But how often do you come around that? So I'd rather put a guy with more pop and Altuve in the two hole and put Brantley lead off in the other way. around. But yeah, I like that. I would go Brantley one, Altuve two, Correa three, three. Alvarez four, Bregman five. I go Guriel five, Bregman six. Bregman six. Where's Tucker? Oh, Tucker I forgot about seven. Tucker. You know what? I put, I'd put Brantley towards the bottom of the lineup. And Tucker higher. Yeah, because I like Brantley. He's a guy who can he, he he can have professional at bats. He hits over three hundred. He doesn't have the pop, um, but so you know he could be a though. bit of he could be a bit of pain in the ass at the bottom of the lineup. I like him towards the bottom. All right. Well, listen. After we're done, we'll call Dusty Baker up and we'll let him know we've got right. We'll be like, what are you doing, Dusty? Uh, very quickly. Major League Baseball is going to provide housing for the minor leaguers starting in 2022. That is big news. It is long overdue. It is about time. The next thing is higher salaries because a lot of these guys are below the poverty line of what they're making. So, okay, nice start, but let's let's keep going here. Right. Agreed. Um, You know, baseball is a different sport compared to any other. There's a lot of players within organizations, multiple levels, um, you know, more than – there's international leagues, there's single A, double A, triple A, there's rookie ball, there's a lot. Um, so nice to see that um, these guys are making, you know, nothing basically. And there was a picture of somebody put it on Twitter, it got mm-hmm. retweeted, of s- sitting in an apartment with, um, you know. Sleeping bags. Sleeping Seven, eight bags. guys. There's actually, interestingly, um, a kid in my class um, who is a minor leaguer. He's, he's about 29 years old. And he's in a single A or double A for the Minnesota Twins, something like that. And, you know, he's going to school right now. And that's a guy who's, you know, playing baseball, working on his craft and also taking classes because, you know, he doesn't have a fallback on baseball and he's not going to be set for a long time or even set for right now playing minor league baseball. So it's nice to see, you know, these guys aren't like major leaguers where they play for six months, they go home, enjoy times with their families. You know, they play six months, they go home and they, you know, they, they bust dishes or, you know, are Uber drivers or whatever hustle they can do to make some money. Um, they're, they're regular people. So it's nice to see that, you know, the, the major league teams that make billions of millions and billions of dollars can finally provide some help for these guys. Yeah. Like it's, it's disgusting that it hasn't been done already. And the salaries definitely have to go up. It's crazy that some, you know, this is, guys living out their dreams and they Mm -hmm. have to go through this so hopefully they continue there's a lot of you know groups that you know really advocate for minor league players and they're doing a good job and they got to continue to do that before we wrap up i just want to um 
bring up like you know a lot of you know as a Mets fan I've dealt with it my whole life Mets fan with Boston Red Sox hat on um I've dealt my whole life you know people saying oh lol Mets lol Mets and yeah it's fine it's fine you know it, it could be fine but I don't like when it's not actually lol Mets and mainstream media wants to make up you know, these, you know, analogies, oh, well, they screwed this up and they screwed this up. You know, you know I read a tweet today from Buster Only that, you know, that said the Mets have had, you know, known for months they need to hire somebody to be president of baseball operations. And the fact that they're not even close, you know, is a massive problem. It just, just shows how, where the organization is. Buster, let me ask you something. Is postseason over yet? No, no, I'm yet? Buster now. No, it's oh, not yeah, over. You're Buster. Yeah, we, did the World Series? We even at the World Series yet? Um, I don't believe so. No. Okay, so like, what are we doing? Like, I thought you were a good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Writer. I don't. I don't know if this is in Buster Olney's head or not. But um, you know, there's there's people you want to hire. It's not like you know you go you go to the GM store, and it's yeah. like oh I'll take this guy. Yeah, he knows analytics, this and that. Like a lot of the people you want to hire guess what? They're involved in baseball. They're in front offices for other teams. And the people you usually want to hire are the people that are in front offices for <laughs> good teams. And guess where the good teams are right now in the postseason. So yeah, that is just, that's, I'm actually not a, um, a hater of Buster only. Um, he's written a lot of decent columns in my opinion, but that he's is a really bad take. He's and I, I, I don't know what he's trying to say right there. That's like a, I always complain about Rich Samini, the writer of the Jets, where he does the same thing. He's always trying to say same old Jets and trying to pick out the bed and everything. That is an example of that. Buster only has good sources. He's interesting. He's got some good news. And, you know, he's on the Michael K show. I, 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 he's interesting. I tend to listen to him. But, man, when he hates on the Mets, it's something. The Mets have struck out. On David Stearns, obviously. David Stearns is under contract for two more years. So they were denied permission to talk to him. Billy Bean. I don't know if they were denied permission to talk to him, but Billy Bean did not want to come across, you know, the country to work day-to-day operations with the New York Mets. He hasn't worked day-to-day operations in a while. Right. He said no. And Theo S. Bean was a long shot. He likes his job with the commissioner's office. So it just looks at, it looks like, oh, the Mets struck out. It was pretty difficult. These weren't weren't big candidates, and, you know, they went to other teams. These were kind of long shots. We knew it was going to take a lot of convincing to get um, Theo Epstein out of his role with Major League Baseball. Billy Bean, you know, that's a guy who's already has a job. He's not sitting around waiting for somebody to hire. He's also the part owner of the Oakland A's. Yeah. So, you know, the Mets are going to hire – the Mets are going to hire somebody, and I'm I'm actually excited about this because I want to hire the next Billy Bean. I want to hire the next BOS. Right. I and the guy that they hire has all the opportunities to do it: money, prospects, full roster control. Like you could Market become attraction. a star. Yeah. yeah, you could become a star with this job. So I just I can't stand that. That's all I want to say on it. I'm excited. I, I would love if it was able to get done soon. It's a process. It's a very long one. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I hope it gets done as quickly as possible, but don't rush the decision. Hire the right guy. I'm done. 100%. Um, and hire the right manager. Yeah, so I'm not even thinking about that. Yeah. Um, basketball season starts tomorrow, but, um, you know, we'll talk about it next, next time. Yeah.
I'm not okay. really. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so enjoy uh, the MLB postseason going on this week. I'm excited for tomorrow. We got two games Tuesday. So uh, very excited for that. Anything you got to say? Nope. Shout out Derrick Henry. You're winning me my fantasy game right now. Thank you. Yeah, please. Six and oh. Yeah. Yep. Wait until next week. Six okay. and one, baby. Yeah. yeah. I'm coming. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time.